Hallelujah, hallelujah. This morning we are looking at chapter, or 1 John. We're going to look at starting at chapter 1. We're going to focus in chapter 2 this morning. But we're going to start out in chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first nine verses of John chapter 1. And we're going to look at this title, Walking in the Light. Amen. You like walking in the light? And we're going to see that light and we're going to see what it means to us. And we're going to answer the question that John's answering is how can we know that we are in Christ? How can we know? It's not, we want to know when we take that last breath, we want to know that we're his. And we want to know that we are ready to go. And John's going to answer that question with three things this morning. You've got the reading of the word there, uh, turn there this morning. Stand for the reading of the word. And John chapter 1 says... That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. Bear witness and shew unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. Would you like to have joy this morning, overflowing? Yes. Verse 5 says, Then this is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we shall confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. From all unrighteousness, walking in the light. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are that light. Lord, that in the darkness, Lord, when things seemed hopeless, you sprung forth, Lord, from eternity. And God, you came down as a babe. And Lord, you walked among us. And God, you gave us the light, the, the life that God, that you wanted to shed for us. And God, you give us an example to know your love for us. And God, now you, your light, Lord, now can shine through us if we are walking with you. Lord, let that be the case. And God, if there be one that doesn't know you today, that Lord, they leave here today beaming with your glory because of what they do in the altar when they receive you. Thank you, God, that you can shine through us and we can know that we're ready in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen, amen. hallelujah walking in the light this epistle of course is written by its namesake John and John as uh, was one of the of course the apostles of Christ and and he like the rest of the apostles with the exception of Judas who uh, killed himself because he rejected God and, and betrayed the Lord and, but the rest of the disciples were all given a martyr's death. John was different. Instead of dying immediately, John was uh, exiled first. John was, uh, by the way, John in this, in this writing this, you may not know this, but John was probably right at 100 years of age when he wrote this. 
and he had went through so much. So it makes a difference when someone who writes something. But John had went through uh, a, uh, he'd already been bold in boiling oil to try to kill him. And he survived it. And so they ended up taking him and exiling him to this little barren, God-forsaken island called Patmos. And, and he was there the rest of his life and ended up writing this letter on that island. And we know that that man knew what he was doing. When you talk about that, uh, what, the, what true life and life is, you know because he's letting us know, hey, I, I know what I'm talking about. And you give him attention. I remember a, a man that came to First Pentecostal Church when I was a young boy. And I've mentioned this before. I can't even remember his name. But this man had been abused. He'd been, his face was even scarred because of some of the, the torture he'd went through. When that man spoke, I listened. Why? He had the experience. He knew what he was talking about, and it got my attention. Well, when John's writing this letter, he gets their attention because he knows what he's talking about. He's experienced it. What's going on when he writes this letter? There's these Gnostics that, that is trying to deceive the church. The, these Gnostics called themselves the knowledgeable ones. They were enlightened. They had more wisdom than you and I. And they knew the truth. And we that believe that God come and sent his son as a body was just sadly mistaken that it was more like a spirit. It was more like a shell that God was emanating, that God could not come to earth and be in a fleshly body because they believed this one inherent thing. They believe that, that anything in this fleshly world is inherently evil. Now, there's some truth to that. The, the, the nat natural man, our natural spirit, is just leans to evil. It is a sinful flesh. We understand that. But they believe that nothing, including God, could have been in the flesh to live. So he never came in a physical body, but he just showed himself, and he really wasn't in a physical body. Why do they believe that? Because they wanted, they believed they were enlightened, and they had wisdom, and if he didn't really come in the body, they didn't believe that, they, they believed that their fleshly body was inherently evil, and therefore they couldn't control what they did. So they used it to mask their lifestyle. So they were inside, when they're talking, they wanted you to think they were wise. But at night, they were nothing but they wanted to feed this depraved fleshly body. And they were a bunch of party animals. And they were living their life fleshly. And they made excuses, well, well there's nothing we can do about it because we are inherently evil. And they downplayed that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, John's dealing with this. Why, how in the world could he deal with this? Because he knew Jesus. He walked with Jesus. And when he wrote this, he told us right from the beginning. He said, now listen, this thing I'm getting ready to tell you about, I walked with him, I talked with him, I touched him, I heard him, I experienced him. In fact, I had my head right on his chest and I heard a heartbeat. That wasn't no ghost. That was God himself in the flesh. And, the, and he came, and when he came, he brought and exposed to us a light and a life that we, we experienced and it changed us. And it's the exact same thing. The fellowship we had with him, you can have the same one. So don't listen to the lies they're telling you. That's the core of what he's talking about here. He's trying to tell them, don't be deceived. In fact, he tells us in one of, in fact, if you look at John's Gospels, John and First and Second John, Epistle of John, you're going to see one of the themes that pops up. He talks about Jesus being the light and the life. And so we see in John chapter 8, he says something about Jesus being the source of that light. It says, then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light 
of life. And so when the Lord was sent to the earth, all of a sudden, 400 years of darkness, Christ came forth, and suddenly the plan that God had before the creation of the world was thrust forward, and it was revealed. So now we could see clearly the wondrous plan that God had for you and me. We're on the other side of that. We take it for granted. But before that, they, had, they knew that something was going to happen. They knew the Messiah was going to come. But they didn't fully understand the grand plan that God had for us. And it was that he wanted to light us. And that Jesus was shining the way that we could be saved. Walking with God in light means our lives are continually being searched for one thing by the truth of his word. Have you ever been searched by God when you're reading his word? You read something, you may have forgot it was in there, and all of a sudden when you read it, it just shined in your heart, and you said, oh my, oh my Lord, I don't think I'm meeting that. I think I need help in that. Maybe you go on to another verse really quickly. Maybe I'll just forget about that one. No, that's what the Word of God. When we get closer to God and closer to God, the more light that we see. It was revealed to me, and one of the greatest, and I've mentioned this before, talking about something, because I'd never, uh, this city, you, you're coming, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 60 miles before you get to Albuquerque, at least, especially at night, you're going to see that city. I thought we were close. I was tired one night. We were driving uh, to pick up a bunch of vehicles for the ammo service, and so we were driving late at night, and I was thinking, oh, man, an hour from now or less, I'm going to be... I'm going to be, or not even an hour, I thought just a few minutes, I'm going to be, it might have been more than 60 miles, we're going to be there, and I'm going to finally get to rest, and we kept driving, I see those lights, and they're getting brighter and brighter, and boys, we got to be close, look at that, and, you know, that's before the uh, GPS days, and so we were driving, and, uh, and, and I mean, for well over an hour, hour and a half, before we got to where I could see, what was the difference? The light, and the closer we got, the brighter the light got. And that's the way it is in the glory of God. The closer you get, you don't be satisfied from standing at a distance to God. But the closer you get to Him, the brighter the light of His glory is going to shine in your life. And it's going to shine down in your heart. You can't hide the things that's hidden in there when we get closer to Him because He'll reveal those things. And so He's trying to tell us that. I, I was thinking about the sun even. On an on a, uh, overcast day, you can still get sunburned. I get sunburned if it's uh, totally dark, I think. But uh, we know that the sun is bright. It, and so sometimes it's overcast and it looks like the sun is not there. Well, what's, what's the problem? Something's blocking your, your view. But if you can get on the other side of those clouds, the sun's a whole lot brighter than it is on, that, on the side that you're in. So we need to realize the closer you get, the brighter it gets. And so that's what he's trying to tell us. You know, it's talking about uh, that our joy may be full, it says. That if you, what I'm telling you this is so your joy may be full. The closer you get to Christ, the more you see him, the more he's revealed in your life, the more joy you have. Let me tell you how I'll know. Those two men, Jesus had just died on a cross, and some of the disciples had been following him, and they were troubled. In fact, all the ones that had been, his closest disciples were all troubled, all of them. And so they, they were pretty sad, but there was two men, it doesn't tell us, two of his disciples that were rock, walking on the road. They'd left and seen this horrible thing, and they were walking back on the road to Emmaus. And we see that they were talking about how horrible it is that we thought, you know, they were probably having this conversation, I thought he was it, I thought he was the Messiah. My goodness, can you believe how horrible that was? And we see that he was, they were joined by this stranger they didn't know. And he gets in the conversation. Who, who are you talking about? Jesus. Who, what, what are you talking about? He said, well, buddy, where are you from? You from Palestine somewhere? Where are you from? Yeah. Hey, where are you from? Uh, because didn't you know you, you can't be around here and not know what just happened? They start talking about it. 
So he starts picking up the word of God and he starts expounding to them from the Old Testament all the way to the New. How Jesus must have done this, that God's Messiah had to come and he expounded. And when they, they're so excited, by the time they get in a mess, they say, please don't leave. Come in here and have food with us. Just eat with us. And they get in there and when they, he prays over the food and it says, when he broke the bread, their eyes were opened and they were in line, and they knew who he was and he disappeared. And the last thing they says, was not our hearts overflowing with joy as our heart not overflowing with every word he said because of the way he said it and who he is and that's what it's talking about here the closer you get to him the more your heart will overflow and that's what he wants to do in our lives and so we see here that he gives us John has given us three uh, litmus tests these these three things that's going to happen you're going to know you're in right relationship with God if these things are happening in your life number one we're going to know if we're walking in the light you will have communion with God. You're going to get close to God. You're going to be getting in His presence. You're going to get in His Word. It says in verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You can't be in God's presence and still walking in darkness. You're still not going to do the things that you did before, before you got, I can tell you right now, my Friday nights look a whole lot different when I got saved than they did before. The friends that I hung out with were different than they were before. And it wasn't that I was trying to do something legalistic and said, no, I've got to follow these steps and rules. My heart wanted to do something different. I wanted a different outcome. Those things is what left me miserable. Those things is what left me undone. And so things change. And he's saying here, if you're walking in the light of his glory and his presence and he illuminates you, because it said that there is no darkness at all in God. God is all good and God is all wonder. How do we know that? The, the, the attributes of God. We see it because when God puts his Holy Spirit within us, what's the fruits? What is the characteristics that we see in someone's life that's full of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All those things. It goes on to say, against such there is no law. Galatians 5.22. So we see there that when God is within us, just he's, he's, there is no darkness. There's no evil in God. There's, no, there's judgment if we reject him, but he is good, and he is full of love, and he's full of joy, and he's full. he wants to do things in our life. And so the closer we get to him, the more of that we're going to experience in our life. And so when we're walking in the light, we're going to have fellowship with him. We're going to want to have fellowship with him. It says in, in, in verse 7, but if we walk in the light of his glory, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Now, don't mistake in that. It's not talking about fellowship with me and thee. It's talking about fellowship with me and he. That's what it's talking about. He's saying that if you're actually walking in fellowship and, and, and relationship with God, that there is, going to be, there is going to be a fellowship, a relationship. It's actually a word that means intimacy. There's going to be an intimacy with you and God. The closer you get, the more intimate you get. I was thinking as I was praying this morning about a marriage relationship. You, when you love somebody, you want to spend more time with them. They, they're not having to call you and say, hey, you need to spend time with me. I ain't seen you all week. Uh, they're not saying, hey, it's, it's almost midnight and you ain't showed up yet. The table, I made three meals and you didn't even show up today. Hey, no, when you really are, love somebody, you find reasons to spend more time. 
I remember when I was dating my wife and even when I was living in Richmond and she was here, I remember in the evening when class, I'd drive down just to see her and then have to go back another 50 miles and I was exhausted working jobs and doing stuff. I was crazy. Why? I wanted to spend a little more time. Phones, we didn't have cell phones with unlimited plans back then. So you would have to see somebody. I just wanted to see her a little bit. And so you spend time being, and you don't want to do things that displease them. You want to do things that puts a smile on their face. I, I remember things I would get her, and I think, I can't wait to give it to her. Why? She got, I knew she was going to have a smile on her face. Why? Because we want that fellowship, that relationship. And that's what God wants to do in your life. Amen? God wants to have communion with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. And God wants you to have one with him. Now, it's never his fault when it doesn't happen. If you don't feel like you're in right relationship and, and God's not beaming through you and God's glory and God's presence is, is not where it should be in your heart and, and you'd feel like you need more, it's not because He's not available. It's because we're not available. It's because we haven't given Him the priority. It's so easy to put our plans before His. And so He's saying here, there's one way to know if you're in right is do you love Him so much that you just want to be in His presence? That you just want to hear from him and his word. That you just want to just, just get in his presence and talk to him in the morning. That you just love that time of fellowship when he's talking to him. You're talking to him and his presence comes around you so strongly. This morning, even in this house, this morning, God's presence was so strong. Man, I'm telling you, it was just wondrous. I wish y'all could have just come in right then because God's glory was here. Why? I wanted him to move. I needed him to move. And so God wants to move in our lives. It's do we want to have communion with him? That's, that's number one. Do you have a real relationship, a full-time relationship and intimacy with God? Amen. Number two, if you're walking in the light, you'll have obedience to God. It doesn't, it's not hard to obey God when you love him. It's not hard to do things for someone you love. I, I remember hearing a, 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 a lady that was talking about uh, an example with her husband and, and she'd had a husband he was a cruel guy and she tried to be a faithful wife and she was a godly wife and she just, she just wanted him to get saved but he never did and so he had all these demands upon her and he wanted his food cooked by a certain time in a certain way and he wanted his clothes ironed and laid out a certain way. He wanted her to kind of jump through a bunch of hoops. Some of you women right now is probably gripping your hand together. Say, boy, I'd punch him right here. But he just, he had a lot of demands. And he wanted her to be that way. And so she, she, tried, to, she tried to be a good wife. And she did it. But she did it inside. She was like, man, I don't want to do this. He's making me miserable. And finally, that man died. He didn't know the Lord. And so she, a few later, years later, met a a godly man and remarried as a widow. And he was good to her. And she got looking a couple years into the marriage and she got looking at her habits now versus when she had her first husband. And she realized there was such a, there was really, there was a difference, but not in what she was doing. She was doing the exact same things for him that she was doing for her first husband. What the difference was? She loved this guy so much because he loved her back. And she was doing it out of heart of joy. He didn't even ask her to do it. She did it because she wanted to please him. And the difference was that relationship was strong. And there was intimacy. And there was love and mutual respect. And all of a sudden, she was doing things that she never dreamed she would do before. That's the way God wants to have a relationship to us. He wants us to obey him because we love him. 1 John chapter 2 now says in verse 3 through 6, 
And hereby do we know that we know him. How do we know we know him? If we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whosoever, whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, completed. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abided in him ought also so to walk even as he walked. The more you get in the presence and have an intimate relationship with God, the more you're going to look like him. The more that light of his glory is not only going to impact your life, but it's going to impact those things around your life. And so God wants us to obey him. We can't say that we're following God and yet rejecting what he's telling us to do. Whatever God tells us to do, and when the closer we get to him, this becomes easier to us. We want to obey him. When God asks us and God tells us things in our life that's displeasing, we're willing to say, God, whatever you want. God, whatever you want to do, I'm willing to do it. I just want to get closer to you. John also tells us in the next chapter over in 1 John 3, 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. You do not have inside of yourself the ability to do right. We are fleshly natures and every day that fleshly natures tries to stand up but it's only when we die to ourselves and daily we let Christ live through us and his spirit have control of our lives then all of a sudden even our nature changes even our desires change not because of us trying to force it but we find ourselves in a relationship with him that we do it because we love him and we want to nurture that relationship that we're in with him and so we become more like him the closer we get to him. Amen. But you can know what to do and not do it. And there's a fatal mistake that many Christians make. They think that, the, that there's, there's one concept. It's so, uh, it's so hard to understand sometimes. Sometimes we think that by knowing something, it's the same as possessing something. Knowing and possessing something in your life is two different things. We can have knowledge and never use it. Uh, one of the examples I was thinking this morning, even before I came, I was, uh, this thought came to my mind reminding me of several years ago, I went to a, uh, a motivational conference at Rupp Arena. And it's one of those that many of you all in business may have got. I haven't seen them in a while, but they used to send invitations and they have this killer price of like for $29, you can get five tickets to go to Rupp Arena. And you've got all these like eight national figures that's going to give motivational uh, speeches to try that you're in big names that you've heard of. You're like, wow, I'd probably like to hear that person. I'd like to hear that guy or that lady. And so you said, well, that's a good deal. That's a way to get out of work for a day. I'll go. And so I remember going with a group of our people, and, and so we were involved, and in I've done it a couple times, but on this one particular one, one of the sessions during the deal, uh, you would think I would have been smart enough not to fall into this, not everybody could, but they spend the time showing you some software that they're making available to you, a special offer just today. And that software is going to teach you how to take and to become basically a stock and bonds guru. And so they show you for... Uh, for a period of about 30 minutes, they show you how the software works and the history that it's had and statistics, how successful it is, those that use it. 
and they show you how to make decisions, and then they let you be the one that actually uses it. They're going to do it in front of everybody. They pull up a stock, and they say, buy or sell, and everybody together, because you've learned how to do this. Now, you've been trained. You have the knowledge. You know how to use it. You haven't used it yourself, but you're watching them use it. You'd say, buy. Okay, he says, that's, that's good. You all that said buy, here's what you would have made. And he gives you a big number. He, then he says, the next one he showed them, they said sell. And he says, yeah, it's a good thing because here's what happened. And so when you get done with this demonstration, you're thinking, I can do it. I'm ready. So then they open up the coffers and they say, now for the next 10 minutes, we're going to open it up. And you can go and buy the software for just $99. That's all it is, $99. Well, I could see my retirement just going off the charts. So I was one of the fools that went up there and bought it. Now, I'm not saying it was wrong. I'm not saying people didn't. But I bought it. And I was excited about it. But guess what? Never used it. Never even used it once. I had the knowledge. I had the tools. But I never used them. You know what it did for me? Nothing. In fact, it actually took me backwards. $99. That's the way we are with the Word of God. We can hear it. Your Sunday school teacher taught it. Your, your, your mom and dad taught it. Your grandma, the preacher's been preaching it. You've read it yourself. You know what it says. But unless you put it to practice in your life, it does you no good. And so in our lives, if we are really walking in that light, we want to do what he says, and we will obey him. We will obey him. And he can do mighty things in our life. Finally, number three, if we're walking in that light, you will have love from God. You're going to have love that you never had before. It's got to go in this order. You've got to, you've got to have a, a relationship with God first. This won't come natural. Love that you make yourself have is very limited, and it will fail you. So if when we truly love God and we have relationship, fellowship with Him, which the more of His glory, the more we're in His presence, the more of His light shines in our heart, the more He reveals, and we, as that verse says, He forgives our sins if we confess them. So when God gives us right relationship and his light is now shining within us, it causes us now to, number two, of course, obey him. And when we obey him and we're walking in that relationship, number three becomes pretty easy. When you truly love him and you obey him, you can love other people. It says in 1 John 2, 7 through 11, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. You're going to see a little contradiction of terms here. You're going to say, what's he talking about? Because he's saying two different things. I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. Wait a minute, make your mind up. You just said no new commandment. Now you're saying I'm giving you a new commandment. Which thing is true in him and in you? Because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. But he that saith he is the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even unto now. And he that loveth his brother abideth in the light. And there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whether he goeth because that darkness has blinded his eye. Now, John, you just said you're not giving us a new commandment. You're not giving us some justified way to say we're earning our salvation. By the way, if you have to have Jesus plus anything, that's a form of legalism. That means you earned your way in. Right. Now, I can't tell you, like James, James' argument is you, if you have Jesus in your heart, you'll have works. It doesn't mean you have to have Jesus and works to be saved. His, his point is you have to have, when you have Jesus, it will just produce 
I was thinking when you strike a match and you light a candle, how, do you, how could you not shine? When it's just an automatic response, and that's what James is saying. But what John is saying is I'm giving you something, and here's how you can clarify these two statements and make them one. I'm not giving you anything new. I'm giving you the one thing I'm talking about has been from the beginning, and that word is love. The commandment from the beginning, from Deuteronomy, all the way through is you need to love God and need to love others. And so we see here, but he says, I'm going to show it to you in a new way. Let me illustrate that. I remember, you hear the Star Spangled Banner, and it's just a beautiful tune, but we get used to it. It's our national anthem. And so we hear it. Sounds wonderful. And we hear it at a ball game, or we hear it different places. But let me tell you the difference. So it's something that's old. We've heard it our whole lives. But there was a Marine Corps band one time that came to our church. And they performed right there in front of us. Man, they were spiffy. Man, they, they were just, I mean, starched and perfect. Their uniforms, every move they made was orchestrated. But when they started playing that national anthem, the hair would stand up on the back of your neck. It's the same song. It was something I'd known so many times. I knew this song. It was an old song. But with the way they played it was so new, it was so fresh that it was something that revived in my heart. Your heart was overflowing. You were just, you know, just, man, you was ready to go serve or do whatever you need to do when that song got done. Why? You heard it in a new way. There was a freshness about the way you heard it. And so what John is saying, I'm going to tell you something that was told you from the very beginning, but I'm going to show it to you in a whole new light so that it will be fresh and overflowing in your heart. Jesus Christ took what we knew that we needed to do, and he revealed it in the flesh in front of us. And we seen it, and we experienced it, and we felt it. That's why my head was on his chest, because I loved him so much, and I could just feel his love emanate right into me. And now, because of what he's done in my life, that freshness, that newness that had been there from the beginning, of creation it's now been revealed to me and I want to reveal it to others and if you love God and he's truly working your life that's what he will do through you you will it will be easy for him to be able to do that this lawyer in illustration as I'm closing a lawyer came to Jesus and said to him master trying to trick him what's the greatest commandment and he had been a lawyer he had all the little, he had answers for no matter which Jesus went, he had a way he was going to try to trap him. But Jesus, that God in the flesh, in the real flesh, said to him, what do you say? He asked him a question. And he said, okay, I think I can still get him. He says, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy strength, with all thy might, with all thy, or all thy soul and all thy strength. And Jesus finished it for him. That's good. You're, you're doing good. And then he goes and gives him a little more. He says, but the second is like it unto it. That thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That was new. That was fresh. That was something that God was standing there giving them. He was taking that same love and he was making it new for them. If you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, there's no room left for you can't be. God is saying here in these verses that if you say that you are in his glory and his presence, he's your savior, he's changed you, he's given you a new heart. Where in that heart that he gave you did he leave room for hate? Even when, when these verses are being written, he's actually referring to these people and their own brothers and sisters in Christ. He's talking about brothers, which refers to brothers and sisters in Christ. 
You mean to tell me that people that even in the house of God could sit there with hate in their heart for other people? Obviously so. But he's warning and saying, don't let that be your outcome. John uh, 13, 35 says this. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. How are they going to know? It's not based on how much you give. It's not based on how much you have accomplished. It doesn't, it's not a matter of what your attendance record is. It's is do you have love, true love in your heart. That's how they shall know you that you are mine. Amen. So this morning as we come before him, he's given us these principles to know if we are walking in his light. If we do, then we're going to commune with God into his marvelous light and he's going to reveal things and he's going to cleanse us. If we continue walking in his light, then we're going to obey what he says and walk even in more glorious presence of his mighty power and his blessing and love will flow through your life. So that third, the natural response is loving others with a love that's not your own. Does that mean you have to just like everything everybody does? No. But it means that everything you do in response to people, you need to filter it through God. Is that what you want me to do? I can't say I've always done that. I haven't. But I want God to love others through me. I don't want God to do some things in my life. I want him to do whatever he wants to do. And, and hopefully in your life you feel the same. God, I want you to love others through me. You can't hate when you're full of God's love. Amen. You can't hurt when you're full of God's love, but you'll be beaming with the light of his glory. And so in this place where joy overflows, when God's light is overflowing, and when we, the closer we get to him, the more we love him. The closer we get, the more he shines to us and through us. So here today, are you walking in his light? Is your answer to all of these, are you in fellowship with him more than ever before? Are you obeying him? Do you love others? Do you love others? This morning he wants to, he wants to have, uh, uh, he wants you to have the fullness of his presence. He wants to overflow you this morning, amen. But this morning, amen, there might be things that we need to say, Lord, I need to lay that down. I know I've got two of the three. Lord, I need help in that other area. Whatever it is, God wants to help us this morning. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Walking in the light. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I, Lord, you are such a glorious Savior. And God, Lord, the more we draw close to you, Lord, the more we realize how much you love us. And God, the more we realize that, Lord, you are our hope. Lord, you are our salvation. Lord, you are our strength. And mighty God, I thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you shined and gave us the example that you, God, you gave us the direction. God, you showed us how you wanted us to live, God, because you lived that example in front of us, almighty God. And, Lord, I pray that, God, you would open eyes this morning. And, God, you would reveal our hearts this morning. And, God, if you put fingers on anything in our lives, God, that we not just cover it over and saying I'm pretty close. Because, God, you want to have all of us, Lord. If we're truly in fellowship with you, that God, we bear ourselves before you. And God, we, we ask you to have your way. And Lord, we want to do things that please you. We want, Lord, for others to see you shining through us. Almighty God. 
And Lord, I pray that with your mighty power, that God, you would move this morning. And God, reveal hearts and lives. And God, that you would fill this altar. Lord, with us that are hungry for more of you, do it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.